Chapter 9 of The Clue of the Silken Ladder by Mildred A. Wirt Benson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Cheryl Adam, Skowhegan, Maine, 2016. Chapter 9 Mrs. Weems' Inheritance. The clock chimed 7.30 the next morning as Penny came downstairs. She dropped a kiss on her father's forehead and slid into a chair at the opposite side of the breakfast table. Good morning, Daddykins, she greeted him cheerfully. Any news in the old scandal sheet? Mr. Parker lowered his newspaper. Please don't call me Daddykins, he requested. You know I hate it. Here's something which may interest you. Your friends the Coles were robbed last night. You're eight hours late, grinned Penny, reaching for the front page. I was there. I suppose you lifted the pearls and the diamond bracelet on your way to the theater. No, said Penny, rapidly scanning the story which Jerry had written. But I think I may have seen the man who did do it. She then told her father of having observed a stranger note the license number of the coal car and mentioned the events which had followed. You may have been mistaken about what the man wrote down, commented her father. That's possible, but he was staring straight at that car. I doubt if the incident had any connection with the burglary, Penny. With the motor vehicle department closed, he would have had no means of quickly learning who the Coles were or where they lived. Couldn't he have recognized them? In that case, he would have no need for the license number. You didn't see the man note down the plates of other cars. No, but he may have done it before I noticed him standing by the theater. Turning idly through the morning paper, Penny's attention was drawn to another news story. Reading it rapidly, she thrust the page into her father's hand. Dad, look at this. There were two other burglaries last night. Apartment houses on Drexel Boulevard and Fenmore Street were entered. Hmm, interesting. The Coles occupy an apartment also. That rather suggests that the same thief ransacked the three places. And it says here that the families were away for the evening, Penny resumed with increasing excitement. I'll bet a cent they were at the theater. Oh, Dad, that man in gray must have been the one who did it. If all the persons you suspect of crime were arrested, our jails couldn't hold them, remarked Mr. Parker calmly. Eat your breakfast, Penny, before it gets cold. Mrs. Weems entered through the kitchen door, bearing reinforcements of hot waffles and crisp bacon. Her appearance reminded Penny to launch into a highly entertaining account of all that had transpired at the Hodges the previous night. Penny, protested the housekeeper. You promised Mrs. Hodges to say nothing about the letter. Oh, no, I didn't promise, corrected Penny. I was careful to say that I couldn't tell what I didn't know. Years ago, Dad taught me that a good reporter never agrees to accept a confidence. Isn't that so, Dad? A wise reporter never ties his own hands, replied Mr. Parker. If he promises and then obtains the same story from another source, he's morally bound not to use it. His paper may be scooped by the opposition. You two are a pair, sighed Mrs. Weems. Scoops and front-page stories are all either of you think about. I declare it distresses me to realize how Penny may be trained after I leave. The way to solve that problem is not to leave, said Penny. You know we can't get along without you. Mrs. Weems shook her head. 
It cuts me almost in two to leave, she declared sadly. But my mind's made up. Mrs. Hodges says I'm doing the right thing. And I suppose a ghost advised her, muttered Penny. Mr. Parker glanced sternly at his daughter, and she subsided into silence. But not for long. Soon she was trying to reopen the subject of the mysterious letter received by the Hodges. For a reason she could not understand, her father was loath to discuss it. Come, Penny, he said. If we're having that game of tennis this morning, it's time we start. En route to the park, the publisher explained why he had not chosen to express an opinion in the housekeeper's presence. I quite agree with you that Mrs. Hodges has no psychic powers, Penny. She's been the victim of a hoax. However, Mrs. Weems is intensely loyal to her friend, and any disparaging remarks made by us will only serve to antagonize her. I'll try to be more careful, Dad, but it's so silly. Monday morning found Penny busy once more with her duties at the society desk. No new information had developed regarding the coal burglary, and she did not have time to accompany Mrs. Weems, who went frequently to the Hodges' cottage. Secretly, Penny held an opinion that the housekeeper's inheritance might be the work of a prankster. Therefore, upon returning from the office one afternoon and learning that the money actually had been delivered, she was very glad she had kept her thoughts to herself. "'The lawyer came this morning and had me sign a paper.' Mrs. Weems revealed to the Parkers. Then he turned the money over to me. Six thousand dollars. I hope the check is good, remarked Penny. It was. I had the lawyer accompany me to the bank. They gave me the money without asking a single question. I have it here. You have six thousand dollars cash in the house? Yes, I had the cashier give it to me in hundred-dollar bills. Do you consider it safe to keep such a large sum? Mr. Parker inquired mildly. I should advise returning it to the bank, or better still, why not invest it in sound securities? Mrs. Weems shook her head. It gives me such a nice rich feeling to have the cash. I've hidden it in a good place. Where? demanded Penny. I won't tell, laughed Mrs. Weems. Again later in the evening, Mr. Parker tried without success to convince the housekeeper that she should return the money to a bank. Never one to force his opinions upon another, he then dropped the subject. "'When will you be leaving us, Mrs. Weems?' he inquired. "'Whenever you can spare me. Now that I have the money, I should like to leave within ten days or two weeks.' Since we can't persuade you to remain, I'll try to find someone to take your place, Mr. Parker promised. Both he and Penny were gloomy at the prospect of replacing the housekeeper. Not only would they miss Mrs. Weems, but they honestly believed that she would never be happy without two incorrigibles and a home to manage. Dad, Penny ventured when they were alone, just supposing that Mrs. Weems' money should mysteriously disappear. Don't allow your mind to dwell on that idea, cut in her father sternly. We'll play fair. Oh, I wouldn't do it, said Penny hastily. I was only joking, but if something should happen to the money, it would solve all our problems. Mrs. Weems has earned her vacation. Even though it will be hard to lose her, we mustn't stand in her way. I guess you're right, sighed Penny. 
The following day, Miss Hilderman resumed her duties at the Star, and Penny once more found herself a person of leisure. To her annoyance, Mrs. Weems insisted that she spend many hours in the kitchen learning how to bake pies and cakes. A particularly distasteful lesson came to an end only when Penny, with brilliant inspiration, remembered that the housekeeper had an appointment with the seamstress. "'Dear me, I had forgotten it!' exclaimed Mrs. Weems. "'Yes, I must try on my new dresses.' "'I'll drive you over,' offered Penny. Not in recent days had the girl called upon the Hodges. As she and Mrs. Weems alighted from the car, they noticed freshly ironed curtains at the windows. Mr. Hodges was pounding dust from a carpet on the line. "'House cleaning?' inquired Penny, pausing to chat with the old man. "'Yes, Jenny's got my heart at it,' he grinned. "'She's been tearing the house upside down, getting ready for the new rumor.' "'Oh, you've taken one?' Penny was surprised, knowing that in past years the Hodges had been too proud to rent rooms. "'There's a young feller moving in today,' Mr. Hodges said, picking up the carpet beater. "'Go on inside. Jenny'll tell you all about it.' Penny and Mrs. Weems entered the cottage where the seamstress was running a dust mop over the floors. She was somewhat dismayed to see the housekeeper. "'Oh, Maud, I've been so busy. I didn't get your dresses ready to be tried on.' "'It doesn't matter,' replied Mrs. Weems. "'What's this about a new rumor?' "'I always said I wouldn't have one cluttering up the place, but this young man is different.' His coming here, well, I interpret it as another sign. A sign of what? inquired Penny, with her usual directness. Well, it seemed as if I had a direct message from the spirit world to take him into our home. He came here last night. Instead of knocking in the usual way, he rapped six times in succession. Probably he was the one who sent the letter, said Penny alertly. Oh, no, he didn't know a thing about it. I asked him. What is his name, Mrs. Hodges? Al Gepper. He's such a nice young man, and he talks so refined. I'm letting him have the entire floor upstairs. That should bring you a nice income, remarked Mrs. Weems. I'm only asking two dollars a week, admitted the seamstress. He said he couldn't pay more than that. Why, Jenny protested Mrs. Weems. Such a small amount hardly will cover the lights and various extras. I know, Maud, but I couldn't turn him away. He moved his apparatus in last night and will bring his personal belongings sometime today. His apparatus? echoed Penny. What is he, a chemist? No, replied the seamstress, smiling mysteriously. I'll show you the rooms. Penny and Mrs. Weems followed the woman upstairs. The upper floor was divided into two small bedrooms with a wide, old-fashioned sliding door between, which could be opened to make one large chamber. The larger of the rooms had been cleared of its usual furniture. Where a bed previously had stood was a circular table with six or eight chairs, and behind it a tall cabinet with a black curtain across the front. Mr. Gepper plans to use this room for his studio, explained Mrs. Hodges. Penny's gaze had fastened upon the cabinet. She crossed to it and pulled aside the curtain. Inside were several unpacked boxes and a suitcase. Mrs. Hodges, to what purpose does your young man expect to put this studio? she asked. 
"I don't know. He didn't tell me. But I think he intends to carry on psychic experiments. He's a student, he said." "Mr. Gepper was afraid to tell you the truth lest you refuse to rent him the rooms," declared Penny. "Mrs. Hodges, your roomer is a medium." "Why do you think so?" "Because I've seen trappings such as this before at other séance chambers," replied Penny. "Mrs. Hodges, you must send him away before he involves you with the police." End of chapter 9